feel like as we approach this final week before Christmas, there's really two kinds of people left at this point. You have your marathon runners and your sprinters, right? Your marathon runners, this is just the final lap. All the shopping's done, the gifts are wrapped, everything's ready. We're just kind of tying up the last loose ends. We're going to coast into the finish line, right? Or your sprinters, who now are going to start thinking about gifts and presents and shopping and just take off to the races or to the website and to order everything we need, try to get it in right on time, right? I tend to be more of the latter. Now is when I start panicking and think, oh gosh, I need to buy gifts for people. I have no idea what to do. I don't know what to give. This is like the most stressful time, right? Now, whether you're a marathon runner or a sprinter, think there's, there's something in the human heart about when we receive a gift that begets almost like this natural joy, right? Especially if it's someone like, if it's a very thoughtful gift, a personalized gift, maybe a gift you weren't expecting to get from somebody when you receive it, there's like, it does something to your heart, right? There's a special joy, a special gratitude. And I think for me, at least, there's also the, 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 um, the feeling of feeling like I want to do something back for that person, right? When someone gives me a gift that I wasn't expecting, I want to go back, go run and get something to give them something, right? Whenever someone does something kind to us, which is kind of like, almost like our natural human response, I want to do something to show how grateful I am. I want to do something in return, right? For another example, if like we find our, if we have a dead battery or a flat tire, someone comes to help you, you obviously are going to want to do something for that person. You're not going to pretend as if nothing ever happened. Right? It's just natural in the human heart. When someone does something for us, we want to reciprocate in kind. We want to do the same kind of thing back to them to show our gratitude. This week, we, I mean this week, this, this Advent season, we've been kind of unpacking the reality of what Jesus has done through this image of feeling like we were trapped, right? God created us for goodness. He created every single one of us purely because he loved us. That's our purpose in life, right? Yet so often we turn away from that, we reject that gift, we don't see the goodness that God has placed within us, and we find ourselves trapped. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try to do, we can't get, out, we can't get ourselves out of this power that sin and death have over us, right? Then God, because he saw how much he loved us, because he saw the state that we were in, he rescued us. He set us free. He sent his son Jesus, which we celebrate in a week from now, he, to become man, to suffer for us, and to die for us, so that we would no longer be held bound, right? This week, this final week of Advent, begins a very important question that is necessary as, as a part of this story. What is our response going to be to what Jesus has done for us? Because we can't help but respond. Whenever anyone does anything for us, we respond in some way. Even if that response is indifference and ignoring, there's a response that we make. And so it's important to reflect upon how we are going to respond to what God has already done for us. The readings that we heard at Mass today, we see two examples of what that response could be. We have the figure of King Ahaz, and we have the figure of Joseph. Now in the first reading we hear about King Ahaz, he was the king of Judah. What was going on during this reading was that Ahaz, as king of Judah, their neighbors in the kingdom of Israel right next door, had aligned themselves with a foreign nation and were now threatening to invade Judah. So King Ahaz, understandably, was disturbed by this. He was worried about this. He didn't know what was going to happen. They had all these powers that were coming for him, and they weren't that big of a nation. So he was understandably very worried about this. God sent a prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz to assure him, you will, like, this will not destroy you. They will not succeed. Trust in me, and I will provide for you, right? 
And Isaiah says, like, don't just take my word for it. Ask God for a sign. Let him tell you what he's going to do for you. We need to hear God speaking to us, right? So Isaiah says, ask for a sign of the Lord. Let him tell you that he's going to protect you. And Ahaz's response is, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord, right? And it can sound like you should be very pious, very holy. I'm not going to tempt God. I'm just going to take his word for it. But that's not what's actually going on. Ahaz has no interest in hearing what God has to say because Ahaz has no interest in trusting in the Lord. Ahaz is much more interested with trusting in himself and his own power. What he does instead is he goes to try to make allies with other nations around him so that he can bolster up his army so that they can, on a human level, stand a chance. Now what happens is that the kingdom is destroyed. Ahaz loses. His plan doesn't work. Because instead of trusting in what God had promised to him, he tried to take matters in his own hands. That little sin of self-reliance. But because God is so good, he still gave the sign anyway. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. He will be God with us. And he will be the ultimate protector. He will triumph over every enemy that tries to come against you. He will be unconquerable. That sign comes to its fulfillment in the gospel today with St. Joseph. Joseph is going through his own little crisis. His fiancée is pregnant, and he doesn't know how or why, and so that's understandably freaking him out. And he decides, I don't know what's going on, I'm just going to send her away, I don't want to embarrass her, we're just going to go our own separate ways. But the angel comes to Joseph and says, not yet, Joseph, I have a plan for you, and I need you to trust me. Take Mary into your home. This is the work of God, that it's gonna, it's gonna be, there's going to be great things that come from this act of trust. Now, like Ahaz, Joseph had no idea what God was doing, what this was going to look like. But unlike Ahaz, Joseph responded immediately at doing what the angel asked him to do. He responded in trust and in faith. He took Mary in, and we know the rest of the story. Now, that trust that Joseph had didn't just come out of nowhere. It came because he saw and he understood and believed who God was and what God could do with that little act of, with that little act of faith that we give to him. I would argue that these are really the two main responses that we can have to to Jesus. Ahaz and Joseph. Self-reliance or trust. Thanks God, but I got this. Or, like, Lord, I give you everything. I trust totally in you. Everything, that every decision that we make, the way that we live our lives, that's the kind of a response that we make. Sometimes we're more like Joseph. Sometimes we do trust in God's providence. We do surrender ourselves to him. Sometimes, probably more than we would like to admit, we're like Ahaz. I got this, God. I'll come to you later. You can work in these areas, but not in these areas, right? We have both of them kind of floating within us. But our response is a necessary part of the gospel message. The gospel does not end with what Jesus did. The gospel ends with what we are going to do about what Jesus did. And we all, of course, want to respond like Joseph. We don't want to be like Ahaz. If we're honest with ourselves, we want to respond in trust. We don't like relying on ourselves because that's exhausting. I want to propose three characteristics, three ways that we can try to focus so that our response to what God has done can be like Joseph, can be a response of trust. The first, and the first on a personal level, A good response to to the Lord involves a living faith. And by faith, I don't mean just like, I know that God is real, I know that he's there. 
Jesus says in the gospel, even the demons know that. It doesn't take a lot to know that God is real. It does take a lot to give everything, to give my entire heart, and to let my life be impacted by the reality of my living relationship with a personal God. That's very different. I've heard faith, a priest described faith as leaning, it's like leaning so far on God that if he wasn't there, I would fall down. There's no plan B, there's no backup. I'm leaning totally on him, and if he's not there, I'm going down. But I trust that he is there. It's living in, in, with a disposition apart that says, Jesus, I truly give you everything. Who gave everything for me? I hold nothing back for myself. Responding with a true and living faith. Second is a response of witness. The early church, when they first got started, did not attract people because they had beautiful music, because they had great speakers, because they had dynamic priests, because they had great parishes. They didn't have any of that. The early church had nothing. They had 12 fishermen who didn't know what they were doing. That was what they had. But the church in those first years grew incredibly. Not because they did anything great, but because the people around them could tell there's something different about these people. They live with different priorities. They have a different kind of joy about them. There's a different kind of unity among them that we've never seen before. The way that they forgive each other is insane. They notice the way that they lived and it was radically different than the world around them. And that was attractive to them. They recognized, even implicitly, these people have something that I don't have that I want. They witnessed. And the way that they lived their lives drew people by thousands to the faith. All because of the way they lived. They lived in a way that was radically different than the culture around them. Our culture, I think we can agree, is not primarily a Christian culture. And if what Jesus did for us is real, our lives need to look different than the culture around us. Our lives can't just blend into what everybody else is doing, but there needs to be an attractive difference, a joy, a unity, and a sense of forgiveness that people can't help but desire, because those desires are in the heart. The response of witness is incredibly necessary. Our lives need to look different because of what Jesus has done. And connected to that, the third element of a good response is it's a a response that involves sharing. A priest that I respect a lot has this phrase that I've heard him say that goes, rescued people, rescue people. If you were rescued by Jesus, if that that joy and that, that freedom that you experienced from him changed your life, You can't help but want to tell everybody about that. You're not going to want to sit on that yourselves. You're not going to want to bury it and pretend as if it's not real. You're you're going to want to bring everybody along with you. Because if your life changed by that person of Jesus Christ, you know that every person needs that same change. We all know people who need that. We all know people who need the Lord, right? Imagine what would happen if every person in here, or even if every family in here, brought one person with them to Mass this morning. We would literally need to build a new church because we would not fit in here, right? If what Jesus did for me is real, then there's an opportunity to share it with somebody who I know needs it. Do I really believe what's at stake? And do I believe that it's real? And am I willing to take the risk to share what God has done in my life with somebody else? 
The holidays are often times, they can be times of stress, very hectic, fast moving. There's family tensions. There's all these things that are at play, right? We can kind of see it as like something, at least partly, that I got to endure. I just got to get through it, right? What if the holidays were a really important way that God was sending each one of us on mission to our families to bring his love even there? What if instead of shying away, I I talked about what Jesus was doing in my heart with somebody who I loved and trusted, right? Sharing the good news does not begin with out there, abstractly with these strangers that I encounter. Sharing the good news begins with my circle of influence, people who I know and who I trust. And making a simple invitation. How many people have come back to the church simply because somebody invited them into a community of faith and of love? Sharing what Jesus has done in us. In one week, we approach Christmas. In a sense, it's the beginning of Jesus' rescue mission for each one of us. I think our response this week to reflect upon is simple. What is our response going to be? Amen.